Hey, Bible, y'all. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Bible Y'all podcast for Wednesday, December 6th. Happy St. Nicholas Day, which I bet y'all thought was on December 25th. But it ain't. That's Christmas. But Bible Y'all Paul, Christmas is when St. Nicholas shows up with toys for the children. No, he doesn't. That's Santa Claus, and he ain't real. Oh, wait, there may be kids in the car. Sorry, kids. Bible Y'all Paul was just kidding. Santa is too real. Anyway, St. Nicholas was this dude back in 4th century Turkey. He was the bishop of a little town called Myra and a stone-cold tough guy. He was born wealthy and raised as a Christian, but his parents died when he was young and left him all their money, which, being a good Christian, he immediately gave away to the poor. Like this one dude who had three daughters but zero dowries, without which them girls would never get married and have to be sold off as slaves or prostitutes. And Nick wasn't having it. So he snuck up to their window one night with some little bags of gold and chucked perfect three-pointers into their socks that were hanging by the fire to dry, which is why he's the patron saint of kids and gift-giving. Nick raised the dead, battled demons, saved kids from murderers, and went to jail for being a Christian. But the coolest thing he ever did was after he got out, he was part of the Council of Nicaea, which was held to kick Arian heresy out of the church. And Arius was this guy who taught that Christ was created and not divine. And again, Nick wasn't having it. And in the middle of Arius's speech, Nick jumped up and whooped him right there in front of everybody. That Saint Nick is all man and a yard wide. But if all that ain't weird enough, back in the 50s, they hauled him out of his tomb, took measurements of his skull, and in 2014, they reconstructed his face. So if you Google the real Santa Claus, you can see what he actually looked like broken nose and everything. It's a crazy world, ain't it? Our reading for today is Hosea 4, 1 through 5, 15, 2 John 1, 1 through 13, Psalm 125, 1 through 5, and Proverbs 29, 9 through 11. So if y'all are ready, not having Chuck Norris play him in the movie is a big mistake. That's all I'm saying. But before we get to the reading, let's me and the squad do a review of yesterday's study. Okay, so yesterday... On December 5th in the Old Testament, we read Hosea 1-1 through 3-5. We started a new book. And he's the first of the 12 minor prophets. And it doesn't mean he's less important. It just means it's a smaller book. And he lived 60 or 70 years in the 8th century BC during the reigns of King Uzziah, Jotham, Ahaz, Hezekiah of Judah, and Jeroboam II of Israel. And he was a contemporary with Isaiah, But Hosea was in the northern kingdom of Israel, while Isaiah was in the southern kingdom of Judah. And the length of his ministry makes Hosea one of the longest serving prophets in the Bible. So right off the bat, in verse 2, God tells Hosea to take unto thee a wife of whoredoms and children of whoredoms. For the land hath committed a great whoredom, departing from the Lord. He says, your whole life from now on is going to be an illustration of what Israel is doing. And that sounds harsh. But what Israel was doing was harsh. It wasn't just that they were following other gods. That's bad enough. But they were doing stuff like child sacrifice. So imagine that. Imagine you're a pastor, just minding your own business, sweeping up the church after the service Sunday afternoon, where like four people showed up, because everybody in town hates God and worships other ones, and you hear from God. And God says, go down to the sleazy part of town, where all the crack houses are, and on the corner of fill in whatever street it is where you live, where the streetwalkers hang out, and you'll find a hooker named Cinnamon. 
and I want you to marry her and bring her and all her kids into your house. Would you do it? I mean, our situation isn't that different in America. We worship other gods and sacrifice our children too, and you'd have to be pretty close to God to even understand what he was asking. And you'd have to love him a lot to offer up your life and Cinnamon's life too like that. But Hosea didn't hesitate, which says something. Because all God wanted Abraham to do was move to another town. And he waited for his father to die first. And God's asking Hosea to turn his whole life into a town's Van Zant song. And he don't think twice. So he goes downtown and finds his prostitute, except her name ain't Cinnamon, it's Gomer, the daughter of Diblaim. And what Barnes says about that, is Gomer is completion, and Diblaim is a double lump of figs, which is a colloquialism for saying something is sweet. And what these names may mean is that the sweetness of sins is the parent of destruction, or that Israel, or mankind, had completely forsaken God, and were children of corrupting pleasure. So heavy. But I'm sure Gomer's like, yeah baby, I'll marry you. Where you keep your money at? Anyway, quick as he can get her home, he has a son with her. And the Lord said, call his name Jezreel, which means God will scatter. But what God's doing is foretelling a slaughter later on in the valley of Jezreel, which he was named after. He says, for yet a little while, and I will avenge the blood of Jezreel upon the house of Jehu, and will cause to cease the kingdom of the house of Israel. And it shall come to pass that day that I will break the bow of Israel in the valley of Jezreel. And she conceives again and has a daughter. And God said, call her name Laruhamah which means not favored, for I will no more have mercy upon the house of Israel. And Paul in Romans says it means not beloved. And Peter says it means hath not obtained mercy, which in the Hebrew, all of these things are expressed, according to the commentaries. Basically, every time this girl hears her name spoken, it's literally somebody saying, I hate you. And just to make his point, God says, but I will have mercy upon the house of Judah. So, soon as she had weaned Loruhamah, she conceived again and bare a son. Then said God, call his name Loami, which means not my people. For ye are not my people, and I will not be your God. So every time Hosea hollers at his kids, he literally says, get out of here. I hate you, and you're not mine. And on top of that, their mom's out running the street. So all that is very terrible. But I have to think that Hosea sat him down probably many times as they were growing up and explained to him, look, I'm sorry you're caught in the middle of this, but I'm a prophet of God. And what we're doing here is bigger than any of us. I mean, that's what I would have done anyway. Try to get the kids to join in on the condemnation of Israel that their very names are all about. And maybe try to spare them some trauma. But anyway, in verse 10, there's some good news. It says, yet the number of the children of Israel shall be as the sand of the sea. And it shall come to pass that in the place where it was said unto them, Ye are not my people, there it shall be said unto them, Ye are the sons of the living God. Then shall the children of Judah and the children of Israel be gathered together. So one day, this is all going to be made right. Initially, after the 70 year captivity. But that's just the foreshadowing of the return of Christ when we all will live as one. And then chapter 2, it's written in poetic verse and not prose in the King James. So I guess this is a formal statement of God's word that he just gave or something like that. Verse 1 says, Say ye unto your brethren, Ami, which means my people, and to your sisters, Ruhama, which means beloved or tenderly pitied. And he talks about putting away the whoredoms and getting rid of the children of whoredoms. And therefore, behold, will I hedge up thy way with thorns and make a wall that she shall not find her paths. And all them lovers she was running around with, they ain't going to want her once she's kicked out. 
Then she'll come running back. Therefore will I take away everything I gave her. And in verse 11 he says, I will also cause her mirth to cease, her feast days, her new moons, and her Sabbaths, and her solemn feasts. Which indicates that he's not really talking about Gomer, he's talking about the people of Israel and their false religion. And he goes on to spell out the punishment for worshiping Balaam, which is all designed to get her to come back to God, at which time he'll bestow blessings. And verse 16 says, And it shall be at that day, saith the Lord, that thou shalt call me Ishi, which means my husband, and shalt call me no more Bailey, which means my Baal or my Lord, which is what it always meant. Baal isn't actually the name of that god, but it's used in a generic way to refer to several other gods. And Barnes says what God is saying is, So holy do I hate the name of idols, that on account of the likeness of the word Baal, my Lord, I will not be so called even in a right meaning, lest while she utter the one, she should think on the other, and calling me her husband, think on the idol. And maybe, that sounds reasonable, but I just think God has always wanted a more intimate relationship with his children than one of Lord and Master. And the rest of the chapter, he's talking about how good it'll be once she comes back. And all this sounds really harsh, but remember, it's just a metaphor. God's comparing his relationship with Israel to a man with an unfaithful wife. And the man says, if what you want to do is go run the streets every night, then go ahead. But I ain't letting you stay here or giving you no money or letting you use my truck long as you're doing it. But I still love you. And when you're ready to give all that up and come home, I'll take you back. And in chapter 3, this reads like Hosea is talking about how he went about getting Gomer after God told him to go get her. But a couple of the commentaries say she left and ran off with somebody and he had to go get her and bring her back. But either way, he says he bought her for 15 pieces of silver and for an omer and a half of barley. And I said unto her, Thou shalt abide for me many days, thou shalt not play the harlot, and thou shalt not be for another man so will I also be for thee. Literally, it says, Thou shalt sit solitary as a widow, and shalt not be to a man, not even her own husband. And this is supposed to represent how the children of Israel shall abide many days without a king, or sacrifice, or anything of God, really. Then he says, Afterward the children of Israel return, and seek the Lord their God, and David their king, and shall fear the Lord and his goodness in the latter days. In the latter days. When Jesus, the real king that David the king was just an image of, returns and gathers his bride up. The name Hosea means salvation. And here is his family in one sentence. Salvation complete. God will scatter. No mercy. And not my people. His wife goes back to harlotry and he has to go buy her. He has to go buy his wife back. And he tells her she is to be without a man for a time. He is not going to come near her. No intimacy to represent the lack of relationship that was coming between God and Israel. And then in the New Testament, we read 1 John 5, 1-21. That's the last chapter. And John's still talking about how love is the most important character trait and is indeed how you be a Christian. And verse 1 says, Whosoever believeth that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. And every one that loveth him that begat, loveth him also that is begotten of him. And that's the big idea of this chapter. And starting in verse 4, he takes us step by step through Christian doctrine. He says, Whatever is born of God overcomes the world. So faith in that overcomes the world. So who is that that overcomes the world? Jesus and those who put their faith in him. This is he that came by water and blood, even Jesus Christ. And water is usually symbolic of the Holy Spirit. So in other words, Jesus was born of spirit and blood. 
not just blood and not just spirit, because one or the other only wouldn't have done us any good at Calvary. He had to be one of us, yet sinless. And the only way for God to pull that off is to come down and do it himself. For there are three that bear record in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost. And these three are one. That's three persons and one being. And this is where we get the idea of the Trinity. And the word translated word is logos, which means word, but it conveys way more than that. It's like a statement and a decree. It's also the act of speaking. It's also skill and practice in speaking. It's instruction. It's the ability and the act of reasoning. He's trying to say that because God creates just by speaking into existence, logos is how God bees God. And the best way I ever understood it was, just like we are a trinity of body, mind, and soul, the Father is the mind, the Holy Spirit is the soul, and Jesus, the Logos, is the body, the thing of action, the thing that moves. And verse 8 says, And there are three that bear witness in the earth, the Spirit and the water and the blood, and these three agree in one. And he may be saying here that the proof of your faith is testified to by the Holy Spirit, the blood of Christ, and the water of baptism, but I'm probably wrong about that. He that believeth on the Son of God hath the witness in himself, meaning all of that in verse 8 is internal, between you and God, with no other worldly intermediaries. And the record of it is eternal life. Therefore he that hath the Son hath life, and he that hath not the Son hath not life. And this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he'll give it to us. According to his will. Can't stress that enough. God is not a vending machine. If he don't want you to have it, you can pray forever and you won't get it. Unless, of course, he wants you to have it to teach you a lesson, like he did with the Jews and King Saul, and like he's done with me a bunch of times. And verse 16 and 17, he talks about sin unto death and sin not unto death. And I can't really explain it, except that death refers to physical death and not spiritual death, according to the commentaries. So, like somebody doing something sinful that results in a fatal disease, for example, I guess is what he means. But then another commentary says, There is a sin unto death, a sin which is of such a character that it throws the offender beyond the reach of mercy, and which is not pardoned. And Mark 3.29 calls that the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. And John here doesn't say what that sin is, nor how they know what it is, nor even that they could determine it had been committed. But there is precedent for God saying not to pray for certain people, like in Isaiah. And in verse 18 he says, We know that whosoever is born of God sinneth not, but he that is begotten of God keepeth himself and that wicked one toucheth him not. So maybe the point he's trying to make here is, though a Christian may fall into sin, we should never not pray for him. Because as a Christian, he can't commit the unforgivable sin, because that would make him not a Christian. Anyway, verse 21, he bottom lines it and says, keep away from idols, and then just abruptly ends the letter. Not like Paul, who signs off for half a chapter and who John commented earlier was hard to understand. So maybe he was just trying to not be like Paul. So if we believe Jesus is the Christ, is the Son of God, is born of God, and we demonstrate that we love God by keeping His commandments, we have overcome the world by faith. Verse 4b, and this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. It's in the past tense. Faith works by love, God's love for us, and obedience shows our love for Him. Operating in that love by faith, we have, and again, this is past tense, overcomes the world. There are struggles and battles, but the victory resides within us, in Christ, in God. 
And John the Apostle, that wrote this letter, described himself as the one that Jesus loved. How's that for a testimony? Enoch got to go home with that testimony. But John had a book to write and wrap up the Bible on the Isle of Patmos. And then in Psalms, we read Psalm 124, 1-8. And that's a song of degrees of David. He says, Our help is in the name of the Lord. And if it wasn't for him looking out for us, we'd have been in real trouble. And that's the big idea of that psalm. Yeah, and to never forget exactly what God has done. And then in Proverbs, we read Proverbs 29, 5-8. And these all go together. And I'm not going to read the whole thing because it's kind of long. But basically what it says is, Wicked and evil predators, from your basic flattering con man to politicians that try to trap whole cities, those snares that they set up both trap the victim and themselves. Because it's a sin to be a predator against your brethren. But the thing about politicians and con men is they only work on other wicked people who are also trying to get something for nothing. Ravi Zacharias told a story about a girl who had a bag of candy and a boy who had a bag of marbles, and he traded the marbles for the candy, but kept back some of the best marbles without telling her. And that night, while the little girl slept soundly, the little boy laid awake wondering if she had given him all the candy. (laughs) So righteous and wise people who stay away from government welfare and get-rich-quick schemes, they don't have most of the problems that the other crooks have. The Bible can give us common sense or sense that's common among the children of God. We get it down into our heart, our mind, and into our mouth to hate covetousness. We don't try to get something for nothing or something at another's expense. And when we hold ourselves in high regard, but not too high, flattery isn't as powerful. Everyone likes compliments, but to depend on them makes us vulnerable to deception. But that's the end of our review of yesterday's study. Thanks for your help, babe. Our reading in the Old Testament for December 6th is Hosea 4.1-5.15. through 5.15. Hear the word of the Lord, ye children of Israel. For the Lord hath a controversy with the inhabitants of the land, because there is no truth, nor mercy, nor knowledge of God in the land. By swearing, and lying, and killing, and stealing, and committing adultery, they break out, and blood toucheth blood. Therefore shall the land mourn, and every one that dwelleth therein shall languish with the beasts of the field, and with the fowls of heaven. Yea, the fishes of the sea also shall be taken away. Yet let no man strive, nor reprove another. For thy people are as they that strive with the priest. Therefore shalt thou fall in the day, and the prophet also shall fall with thee in the night, and I will destroy thy mother. My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Because thou hast rejected knowledge, I will also reject thee, that thou shalt be no priest to me. Seeing thou hast forgotten the law of thy God, I will also forget thy children. As they were increased, so they sinned against me. Therefore will I change their glory into shame. They eat up the sin of my people, and they set their heart on iniquity. And there shall be like people, like priests. And I will punish them for their ways, and reward them their doings. For they shall eat and not have enough. They shall commit whoredom, and shall not increase. Because they have left off to take heed to the Lord. Whoredom and wine and new wine take away the heart. My people ask counsel at their stocks, and their staff declareth unto them. For the spirit of whoredoms hath caused them to err, and they have gone a-whoring from under their God. They sacrifice upon the tops of the mountains, and burn incense upon the hills, under oaks and poplars and elms, because the shadow thereof is good. Therefore your daughters shall commit whoredom, and your spouses shall commit adultery. I will not punish your daughters when they commit whoredom, nor your spouses when they commit adultery, for themselves are separated with whores, and they sacrifice with harlots. 
Therefore the people that doth not understand shall fall. Though thou, Israel, play the harlot, yet let not Judah offend, and come not ye unto Gilgal, neither go ye up to Bethhaven, nor swear the Lord liveth. For Israel slideth back as a backsliding heifer. Now the Lord will feed them as a lamb in a large place. Ephraim is joined to idols, let him alone. Their drink is sour. They have committed whoredom continually. Her rulers with shame do love, give ye. The wind hath bound her up in her wings, and they shall be ashamed because of their sacrifices. Chapter 5 Hear ye this, O priests, and hearken ye house of Israel, and give ye ear, O house of the king. For judgment is toward you, because ye have been a snare on Mizpah, and a net spread upon Tabor, and the revolters are profound to make slaughter. Though I have been a rebuker of them all, I know Ephraim, and Israel is not hid from me. For now, O Ephraim, thou committest whoredom, and Israel is defiled. They will not frame their doings to turn unto their God, for the spirit of whoredoms is in the midst of them, and they have not known the Lord. And the pride of Israel doth testify to his face. Therefore shall Israel and Ephraim fall in their iniquity. Judah also shall fall with them. They shall go with their flocks and with their herds to seek the Lord, but they shall not find him. He hath withdrawn himself from them. They have dealt treacherously against the Lord, for they have begotten strange children. Now shall a month devour them with their portions. Blow ye the cornet in Gibeah, and the trumpet in Ramah. Cry aloud at Bethaven. After thee, O Benjamin, Ephraim shall be desolate in the day of rebuke. Among the tribes of Israel have I made known that which shall surely be. The princes of Judah were like them that remove the bound. Therefore I will pour out my wrath upon them like water. Ephraim is oppressed and broken in judgment, because he willingly walked after the commandment. Therefore will I be unto Ephraim as a moth, and to the house of Judah as rottenness. When Ephraim saw his sickness, and Judah saw his wound, then went Ephraim to the Assyrian, and sent to King Jerob. Yet could he not heal you, nor cure you of your wound? For I will be unto Ephraim as a lion, and as a young lion to the house of Judah. I, even I, will tear and go away. I will take away, and none shall rescue him. I will go and return to my place, till they acknowledge their offense and seek my face. In their affliction they will seek me early. Our reading in the New Testament for December 6th is 2 John 1, 1-13. The Second Epistle of John The elder unto the elect lady and her children, whom I love in the truth, and not I only, but also all they that have known the truth, for the truth's sake, which dwelleth in us, and shall be with us forever. Grace be with you, mercy and peace, from God the Father, and from the Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of the Father, in truth and love. I rejoiced greatly that I found of thy children walking in truth, as we have received a commandment from the Father. And now I beseech thee, lady, not as though I wrote a new commandment unto thee, but that which we had from the beginning, that we love one another. And this is love, that we walk after his commandments. This is the commandment, that as ye have heard from the beginning, ye should walk in it. For many deceivers are entered into the world, who confess not that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh. This is a deceiver and an antichrist. Look to yourselves that we lose not those things which we have wrought, but that we receive a full reward. Whosoever transgresseth, and abideth not in the doctrine of Christ, hath not God. He that abideth in the doctrine of Christ, he hath both the Father and the Son. If there come any unto you, and bring not this doctrine, receive him not into your house. Neither bid him God's speed. For he that biddeth him God's speed is partaker of his evil deeds. Having many things to write unto you, I would not write with paper and ink. But I trust to come unto you, and speak face to face, that our joy may be full. 
The children of thy elect sister greet thee. Amen. And our reading in Psalms for December 6th is Psalm 125, 1-5. A Song of Degrees They that trust in the Lord shall be as Mount Zion, which cannot be removed, but abideth forever. As the mountains are round about Jerusalem, so the Lord is round about his people, from henceforth even forever. For the rod of the wicked shall not rest upon the lot of the righteous, lest the righteous put forth their hands unto iniquity. Do good, O Lord, unto those that be good, and to them that are upright in their hearts. As for such as turn aside unto their crooked ways, the Lord shall lead them forth with the workers of iniquity, but peace shall be upon Israel. And our reading in Proverbs for December 6th is Proverbs 29, 9-11. If a wise man contendeth with a foolish man, whether he rage or laugh, there is no rest. The bloodthirsty hate the upright, but the just seek his soul. A fool uttereth all his mind, but a wise man keepeth in till afterwards. That's got it for the sixth. All right, y'all, let's do our 30-second meditation. Today's prayer is on Matthew 5, 5, which says, Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. So hit the 30-second back button on your podcast player a few times and meditate with me for a little while on submitting to the Lord, because prayer is the heavy artillery in the armor of God. So if you're ready, let's go. Father God, time and time again you tell us to trust you, and even though we may have the ability to strike back and conquer, we are to be meek and not interfere with your plan. The world would tell us that blessed are the cocky and assertive because they get what they want, but that's a lie. They may often get what they ask for, but rarely what they want. It's much better to follow your lead, Lord, than to step out front ourselves. Teach us to submit to your holy will, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, that's all the Bible yallin' I got for you tonight. Thank you, Father, for letting us study your word and for the gift of salvation through your Son, Jesus Christ. Please bless and keep everybody listening and let this podcast be helpful to them somehow. Amen. You can find us on Podbean, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Amazon, Google CastBox, and Facebook. If you like what we're doing and you want to support it, what I really need y'all to do is to pray for me and Bible Y'all Squall and all our friends and family. And if you got any prayer requests, email them to BibleYallPodcast at gmail.com. Otherwise, just go on out and try to make the world a better place. And if you can't make things any better, just try not to make them any worse. Thanks, everybody, and God bless y'all. Hey, Bible, y'all. We started a new book. I still can't say it. We what? St- I can't say started a new book. <laughs> we started a new book. Did it slur my speech like a drunk? <laughs> okay.